Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. This episode is brought to you by Verizon. Get a Verizon Business Unlimited plan from the network businesses rely on. Hey, Monica, with 5G ultra-wideband in many more cities, you get up to 10 times the speed at no extra cost. Hello, downloads in no time. Plus, unlimited premium data and hotspot data to keep the signal flowing and your teams going. Come in or book an appointment with a Verizon business expert to find the right plan for your team. 5G ultra-wideband available in over 1,700 cities with Business Unlimited Pro 2.0 smartphone plan. Speed comparison is to median Verizon 4G LTE speeds. Download speeds may vary depending upon network and coverage conditions and content optimization for 5G ultra-wideband. guest host today the man the myth the legend the 420 investor alan braxton what's going hey, on hey patrick this is fun to be on this side yeah it's cool isn't it uh-huh you were a guest on the very first one and now you are taking the reins how does it no, feel I'm just the, the co-pilot you're the pilot oh no no no, no man <laughs> listen i i'm here to clean up jason's mess that's what i do <laughs> so yeah and you have much darker hair than he so we have to True. give you props for that so listen, I, you you are where again? Let's tell everybody where you guys are. You're in Texas, right? Yeah, I'm in Houston, uh, sheltering like I always do, whether there's a pandemic or not. I'm, uh, <laughs> seems like uh, I've actually had some health issues because I sit at my desk too long, but I've uh, worked my right way around that. And uh, so I'm, I'm feeling pretty bad for the world right now, but doing okay myself. I hear you. I hear you, man. And it is a crazy, crazy time that we're in. Yeah. Um, I... Did something I probably shouldn't have done, but I uh, wanted to see my folks. So we are taking a socially distant trip to Kentucky, where I'm from, and that's where I am right now. I'm sitting in my 
grandparents' home, as you can see by the flowery wallpaper behind me. So um, yeah, it, Father's Day is coming up. Happy Father's Day to you, Alan, and to yep. all the fathers. Who I think we'll have several with us today. I'm, I'm um, having a Zoom Father's Day dinner with my. Are kids. you really? Uh huh. That's awesome, man. That is awesome. These Listen, Zoom you got to stay kind of cool, actually. There are. I've had a couple Zoom happy hours. I think it's yeah. kind of fun, you know. Yeah. Um, well, Alan, I wonder if, as we get started here, you could give us just a little flavor of the day. What's going on in the markets? What are you seeing right now? What's fun? What's not fun? Yeah, I've been using a four-letter word that is freaking people out, but it's bull, B-U-L-L. Oh. I know, right? Who knew? I know. And, are we uh, there? What's going on? I'm getting some pushback. People are saying, wait, don't you mean it's just not a bear market? And uh, so I, I'm like, look, I'm really struggling with the broad, broad market. I, I think we're in a bear market there. Don't get me wrong. But, sure. uh, you know, cannabis was in a bear market for more than two years, most of which time during that time the regular market was in a in a bull mode so i think the pandemic uh, is going to wipe out a lot of uh, a lot of the stocks a lot of the companies but i think that there's some huge positives coming out of this and uh, i think it was the final shakeout of what had been a pretty long bear market and you know i thought maybe the vaping crisis would be it but i uh, wondered that too yeah but then you know then the pandemic hit and uh, i think that made it rock bottom. And uh, so I, I, I'm saying it, we're in a bull market. Whoa, you <laughs> heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here. Uh, yeah. well, let's, and, let's... and it took me a while, by the way, Patrick, I, I didn't actually, I probably didn't start using that word too more recently, but I got a little lucky with the timing. I was, and this was really confusing. Is this going to kill the cannabis industry or what? Right. And uh, it really took me about eight weeks of, of watching what was going on and listening to the companies and reading. And I, I realized uh, in early May that things were going to be good. And uh, I got very optimistic right at a good time. And, and I never got pessimistic, by the way, but uh, it turned out to be a good, good call so far. Wow. Wow. Well, let's have some fun with that today. Let's ask uh, the, the guests that we have on today how they feel about that, because that is really cool. And certainly something that, you know, I think we, we, we've all been waiting to hear. Yeah, and and I think it, it could be a really cool time to be in this industry. So, um, listen. Without further ado, let let's go ahead and introduce our first guest. And as he joins us here, uh, I'll let everybody know that this is David Leiter. David's a partner with Focus Growth Capital, a U.S. based investment firm, uniquely qualified to solve complex finance, legal, regulatory, operational issues in the legal cannabis space. They do ton of stuff they work with a lot of really cool people and i'll let david say that for himself what's up man well you already said it so oh uh, come on come on i'm in pretty i think i'm in pretty good shape alan how are you doing i'm good are you the the michigan branch of this I new york city branch. firm i'm michigan branch of the uh of the new york based firm that is correct nice i i've known mitch for a long time and uh really sure. consider him one of the top people in the industry that i've met it's only been seven years, but in my but seven plus years, 50 years, right? <laughs> right, exactly. I know uh, Mitch is, uh, you know, our, our partners are Mitch uh, Kulik is who we're talking about, Kulik. correct? Yeah, yep. And one of the founding partners of Forestine Kulik. Um, you know, great, great cannabis law firm. Uh, give them a little pitch here. They were just named one of the top cannabis law firms by I think it was Business Insider a couple of weeks ago. So it's really a great group of people and uh, um, some folks that have really helped me in terms of my development in the cannabis space for sure. 
So let's let's start there, David, because I, I always find it fascinating, especially with investors, right? You know, how did you get into the space? How did you like what? I mean, you were at gas station TV, right? And you've done quite a bit in your career. So why the move into cannabis? I wonder if just give us a little flavor about your background and, and the move over. I'll try, I'll try to make it kind of simple. So I started off in the marketing and media space and I worked for Yahoo for a long time. Uh, and then uh, I co-founded and was CEO of a company called Gas Station TV. So if you know that, if you're at a gas station and you see a television screen interacted uh, with, you either like me or you hate me, depending on your <laughs> depending on the time of day. Um, but we built that company uh, up. Today, there are more uh, gas stations with televisions integrated than there are Starbucks or McDonald's, so it reaches about a third of all U.S. drivers right now. And we sold the company to a private equity firm um, back in 2014, and I stayed on running the company for the next few years because I just wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And then an old friend of mine um, called me up, and they were looking at the cannabis space, and I hadn't thought about it whatsoever. And um, they were asking me, how do, you, how do you leave something that you've built or kind of a traditional industry that you've been successful in? And how do you, uh, you know, how do you go do something new? Because um, it's hard. I mean, he was pretty golden handcuffed, I would say. And uh, we talked about that. And I asked him what he was interested in doing. And he talked about the cannabis space. And he says, hey, you have to meet my friend Mitch Kulik. Um, come out to uh, MJ Biz in Vegas next month and come meet Mitch. And I went. And there was, uh, I can't remember which Chinese restaurant we were at. I think at the Wynn that has just these huge tables. and sat down and there was all these people that certainly didn't look like the people I used to work with in the past. Um, but there were some Laura Lee folks, Dave Feuerstein and Mitch and some of the other people on their team. Uh, and um, it was really fascinating. I got a lot out of it and I started making investments immediately. And I needed a, a law firm partner to help me, someone that really understood the space from a legal perspective. And so they became my lawyer. And uh, they're a really interesting firm. Um, not only do they do great legal services, but they, um, they're very much integrated, again, into the regulatory environment, uh, the National Cannabis Council, um, but they also have helped companies uh, raise money and funds because inevitably when companies come in to see them, everybody needed money. So they did that, and, and we saw that there was a good relationship for me to get involved from a business advisory standpoint. We started doing that work. And then we started going and looking at companies to invest in. And um, uh, while we got pretty far uh, with term sheets and things of that nature, um, and certainly we're making investments, it became clear to us that we needed a dedicated source of capital. And none of us were fund managers. And happened to, as coincidence and, and serendipity always go, Dave Forreston's partner, uh, John Lecaresis, who was um, uh, spoke uh, during the last conference, um, John ran a four billion dollar hedge fund called Hoplite Capital. He was he was Dave's uh, partner on um, on the Yale football team, and he had some space in his office. And we were looking for a new space, so all these things kind of came together. We um, we partnered with John, who was winding down the very successful uh, hedge fund. He had made some investments in cannabis separately. And uh, one of Forsting Kulik's clients, uh, two gentlemen, Pete Bio and Jonathan Goldrath, who are other partners along with some other folks from Forsting Kulik, um, they started Standard Farms in Pennsylvania. 
and uh, super expertise in the space. And they sold that to Tilt and they come from a deep Wall Street background as well. Uh, places like Fortress, uh, Lazard and Wingspan. So it kind of like, again, worked out that we had a lot of different expertise from a lot of different areas, Wall Street, legal, regulatory, business operations. Those guys operated cannabis. We did a lot, we've done a lot of advisory work, a lot of people that had a lot of C-suite experience and we, we formed Focus Grow Capital Partners. Hopefully that wasn't too long. I'll try to do it quickly. No, that's cool, man. It's always fun to see how these things happen. I feel like yeah, half yeah. of it's coincidence and yeah. the other half is, uh, you know, just meeting the, the right people that are gonna, you're gonna part with, partner with and take you forward, right? Yeah. So, so you guys are investing actively, right? Uh, what are you looking for right now? What in this, in this potentially bullish market, as, as Alan alluded to, which I'd love to. I like that Alan is called the bullish market. So uh, that's, what do you think about that? What do you think? Pretty amazing. Um, I'm very excited about the market. I think Alan nailed it in what he said earlier, which I'll, I'll repeat. And then you know everything that Alan always writes about, I'm probably in 99.9% agreement with. And I, uh -oh. I know, I know you're looking for a fight here, Patrick. But I think damn it, you guys are ruining this. Agreement. <laughs> um, but I, I think his point's well taken. There's going to be some some companies that um, have overextended themselves and are going to, you know, are going to consolidate and move out. And that's natural. And maybe it's happening a little bit quicker because of all this. Yeah. Um, but I think the, the industry overall is getting smarter and stronger. I think COVID has obviously been horrible for so many people on so many different levels. Um, but for the cannabis space, separate of it being deemed essential, um, we are helping people and the states have realized we're helping people and they've expanded drive-through and delivery in states that it was going to take a long time. And cannabis, you know, I, I'm a firm believer, obviously we're out here to, you know, to, to make money, but I'm a firm believer that people need cannabis medicine. I think cannabis medicine will, will help people that are taking a lot of other different kinds of drugs, whether it's opioids and things, and, and we will see progress and how that helps. And I'm, certainly appreciate and, and everything from an adult use standpoint. To me, adult use just makes it more open for people that are looking for relief to be able to get it much easier. Um, so I think there's a ton of momentum. I think the stocks, I, I don't, I didn't look at it yet today, but according to Alan, it looks like things continue to, to move in the right direction. And I think you'll see some of the strong get stronger, both on the public side and on the private side. And some people that probably shouldn't have been in operations anyway may get folded into some of these other entities i know alan did you kind of see it oh yeah well I, and i had a question for you because following on it sounds like you're optimistic i'm optimistic but more importantly what about the companies and i know you like holistic industries for example that's one of your favorites but uh and maybe you can tell us why you like them but do you see some of these uh i don't know you might call them third movers uh coming public anytime soon? I mean, I, I think investors would love to see s some of these well-capitalized, strong private operators go public. It's, a, it's an interesting question, and I think it's broader than, than holistic. I think we saw that uh, the grassroots deal with Curaleaf is getting ready to finally close, and that's you know been a long time. Um, but there have been some others that, um, you know, whether it's Verano and-, and uh, Harvest. Uh, Harvest, and yeah. Um, you know, that didn't come to fruition. We saw MedMen and Pharmacan. 
Um, but there are some very strong, very strong private operators. And I think a lot of them like staying private and maybe they're not ready yet. And, and while I think we're both very bullish on the market, I think time needs to go a little longer here before yeah. those companies determine that, um, yeah, we'll take that, that toe in the water. And because, uh, you know, I've spoken just like you have with a lot of the CEOs and CFOs who uh, from the public market companies. And, you know, they'll say, yeah, just don't go public. It's too much pain. It's a lot of pain. And they've They've been through a lot of pain with these ups and downs. And it's right. really so I, I think you'll see the as long as money is remains available at a reasonable ish price to the private companies, the strong ones, I think they'll probably stay that way a little longer. Yeah. Yeah. David, following on on that, I mean, what if let's say the climate is right and the this this market continues to, to look solid, what do you think that deciding factor would be? For, for a company to choose to go public again. I, I, and maybe we'll ask Barrington that next when he's on, but- Yeah, he'll know. know. Yeah, but what, what about you, man? I mean, what are you seeing? Well, I think, it is, I think it is some consistency in the public market. We, as Alan talked about, you know, they, they, they took a huge bear hit. Um, some deserve, some not deserve. But I think if we can see some longer term stability in the numbers for public and people starting to get rewarded for the right reasons, we had companies popping up with crazy valuations, with no revenue, clearly with no EBITDA. And, you know, I, I, we need fundamentals. And that is, again, I think another, and again, I hope no one misinterprets what I'm saying, positive about what happened during this COVID timeframe is a lot of these companies got a slap in the face that we really need to get our financial house in order. And it's been happening for a while, but I think this mm -hmm. is another situation that we've seen a lot of it. So. If the public companies get rewarded for good operations, for strong revenues, but re, you know stronger EBITDA, um, I think the private companies will say, "Okay, this is real. This is you know not you know I'm back from the early internet days where you know uh, uh, you know we had Pets.com, which had a two billion dollar valuation or whatever it is, and it's gone the way of you know the dodo or whatever you want to say." What's amazing, you know, using that as an example, is that that company, which had so iconic in, for the early internet um, and had such a high valuation with nothing behind it and total failure, today we have Chewy.com, which is a huge success right. in the online space. So Pets.com was early. We see that all the time. And the question is, for some of the cannabis companies, were some of them too early um, before they had anything to back it up? And uh, some of them will go away. Others are making partnerships and being smart. So I think stability is going to be the key. That's my opinion. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it sure does. It sure does. Yeah, I mean, I think right now it sure seems like there are certain companies that uh, maybe we're already, I mean, Alan, you, you know this too, just being an analyst for so long, but we're already feeling that pinch as the markets were declining, especially at the end of 2019 into the beginning of this year. And then this kind of provided, as you alluded to, David, that slap in the face. And it's in some cases, it's a shame because there's some really good companies out there still that I hope can recover and bounce back. And, and I think will do really well. And maybe some others that I, I obviously don't wish them ill by any means, but certainly hope that they find a home within another organization at this point. Sure. You know? it's, so, nothing, it's nothing different than any startup industry. Um, this one particularly happened to get uh, a lot of 
you know, irrational exuberance early on. Um, and, you know, and companies will come and go at the beginning and hopefully it'll, it'll settle out. But at the end of the day, we know one thing here, um, that's an absolute fact, demand continues. And we're nowhere near the top of what revenue can be, you know, generated by these companies. Demand continues. Consumers want this product for a multitude of reasons. People are making some really good products out in the marketplace. I think everything is becoming more professionalized. Everything is just the industry is maturing. And some of it's because we were told we had to mature. Some of it's, you know, for, for just normal kind of, you know, course. But I, I'm... I'm very bullish on the next, you know, the next phase, whatever we want to call it for, for the industry, um, you know, and, and it's exciting. I think it's, it's an exciting time to, uh, to, be, to be involved. Well, David, thank you for joining us today. It was uh, great to connect. We'll have to do this again. Pleasure. It was good seeing you, Alan. Patrick, as always, thank you very much. A pleasure, David. Thanks for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. Have a good one. You too, so, man. Next, we're going to transition to uh, to Barrington, and I don't know if he's there yet. But do we want to talk for a few minutes? Yeah, back? let's do that. Let's do that. So uh, while we're waiting for Barrington, you know, I think Alan, what what's the takeaway from an investor who's active in the space right now, who's got some some really stellar clients in the portfolio, talking about being optimistic, as you alluded to, that now is a really really good time. Yeah, I got to tell space. you, I, I think. Uh, you know, listening to people privately over the last couple of years, you know, there's always been this huge challenge. It's the valuations weren't something that they were comfortable with, including myself. And I, I think, you know, when I hear him speak, you know, he didn't actually talk about valuations, but I know that's one of the things behind the scenes where he can feel a little bit more comfortable because, you know, he, he talked about the dot-com and the crazy valuations then that were attached to companies that weren't even real. So, I think that's been one of the major changes. And, you know, we're seeing, uh, I think the investment side has really lagged uh, uh, for whatever reason, probably good reason, actually. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the ETFs aren't great. There aren't really a lot of vehicles for people that don't want to just invest on their own. But, uh, you know, ho hopefully David and his firm and some others will see some inflows of, of capital. But it's, you know, right now it's mainly from high net worth individuals. So. It's, it's, not sure really it's not democratized, you know, democratized at all. Right, right. Uh, and and do you see that changing at all in the near term? I don't know. You know, so I think one of the big things that I'm hoping for, um, and we, we won't know, and I don't have a prediction yet, but if, if we see a democratic Senate, and we know that all the states have high unemployment and uh, big budget deficits and uh, and so they're going to be lobbying the federal government to make it easier for state legal. I don't have any expectation of the federal government uh, doing a whole bunch on their own for us. But if the states mm -hmm. are lobbying them and as more and more states go legal, they'll lobby, you know, they'll get their maybe even Republican uh, senator uh, to, to just give us a little bit of slack. And, and one of the areas of slack, I don't hear people talk about it a lot is this whole idea of the listing. And you know, right now, if you wanna go public, you have to go public on the CSE, and then you get an OTC ticker. And mm -hmm. most Americans don't like that. Uh, you know, why should they, right? That's, it's, you're asking them to do something totally different. And uh, so I'm kind of hopeful that when we get some sort of uh, safe banking act, hopefully next year, uh, and I think it'll be easier with an all, all Democrat Congress, uh, 
that we'll see the exchanges get cover. In other words, that they would be able to list a US state compliant legal, uh, state legal cannabis company without any sort of fear of backlash. Right now, the exchanges, it's not illegal for them to do it. They just won't do it. And, right, right. You know, and I that's why you see a lot of the plant touching companies not covered by those exchanges. But And I think this is a great conversation. So I want to pause it for one second as we get Barrington on. We do have him. Okay. So, well, so you want me to say a little bit about Barrington? Because it's yeah, uh, please, please yeah. tell the world about my favorite CSE I've, I've guy. Barrington for a long time. He's actually interviewed me a couple of times, and we've spent some time at uh, Benzinga conferences and other events together. And you know, I always tell, tell I always thank him and uh, and uh, Richard and everybody because you know I'm, I just was kind of criticizing the CSE, and it's nothing against the CSE; it's the U.S. Uh, U.S. investors aren't used to it, but. If it weren't for the CSE, we wouldn't have publicly traded cannabis companies accessing hundreds of millions of dollars in yeah, it wouldn't work. capital. So I think we have all a, a great debt of gratitude for the cannabis industry. And there's, I know people are critical of certain aspects and there's other exchanges too, but you know, kudos to, to Barrington who runs business development there and his whole team. So let's bring them on. Yes, yes. Barrington Miller. The director of listing services at the Canadian Securities Exchange. You may have to turn on your video, my friend, if you can. There he is. And unmute yourself so we can hear your beautiful baritone. With my microphone. Yes. Awesome. Look at his yes. setup. Look at his setup. Yeah, you guys. I'm ready, man. This is he's not messing around. No, no, we we don't mess around. Um welcome. I hope everyone is safe and sound and everyone's family is good and Okay. All of those, uh, all of those positive things. Uh, well, I have to uh, let's let's pause for just one second and wish you an early Happy Father's Day. Oh, thank and you. And do you want to say anything about your every your... day is Father's Day? That's so it's, true, isn't it? It really isn't is. It? What about your All-Star hockey player? Um, give him a quick shout out. Yeah, shout out to uh, Emerson Miller. Um, he was drafted by the Windsor Spitfires in the seventh round. So very proud of him and. Uh, proud of the family and stuff like that because it really takes a village so it does doesn't it um yeah he's been working hard it's been hard for the not just him but for all the hockey players and athletes around in both countries around the world whatever um school sports everything just got stopped and conferences my friend, my friend. um yeah. conference well you're sort of doing it like this like you can't i guess you could play virtual hockey but it's it's uh it's not the same it's the new this is the new norm so hence the you. microphone the spit guard headphones i'm ready i got do a little gotta do, man. got a little vanity light here impressive impressive so. and the screen behind you is just ridiculously cool oh yeah so. yeah it's uh japanese I was trying to you don't know how many iterations it took to get here um, <laughs> The worst one was a yellow one that had seashells and seahorses on it. Can you ship that to me? Because I could use one. It was bad. It was really bad. Listen. It looked like I was hawking goods at, you know, post 12 a.m. Like, buy now and we'll send you another. Was, you do what you got to do, man. <laughs> yeah, never stop the hustle. Never stop right? the hustle. So, well, um, listen, let's, let's, let's uh, backpedal for a second because Alan and I were just talking about listing, right? And Alan, I don't know if you want to pick up the thread where we were, but 
I did. Uh, I did I catch that. It's great to be on the other side of you, Barrington. I always appreciate your good questions that you ask me, and uh, hopefully, uh, I'll receive. Oh, <laughs> um, I did catch the tail end of uh, of the conversation. Um, so so you know, uh, you know that I go right to the to, for the jugular, and that. Oh, is, you don't. You do not hold. Nope. <laughs> no one's ever going to say, "Yeah, that Alan. He really held back." I don't know what he was thinking. <laughs> I wish but, I knew. No, Tell us no. what we want to know. Are we going to see any of these private companies? Are they talking to the CSC? Yeah, I know what's going on, man? Names, but any of the private cannabis companies uh, potentially considering going public? Like, in, yeah, yeah, we're we've never. I I dare say we've never been busier. Oh, good. Interesting. Um, a little inside yeah. baseball here, you guys. There's a there's a little inside baseball. Um, what are the gating factors? What you know. Uh, well, what we saw before was private companies were sort of getting um, cut off um, because the larger uh, multi-state operators were meeting them before they got listed. Mm -hmm. um, so that trend hasn't changed per se. Um, we're seeing a lot more ancillary businesses. Um, That'd be nice. Yeah. Uh, we're not... The, I mean, as you know, like the, the Canadian LP story, I, I don't know if that's really a story anymore. Um, but I don't know. We just listed red, white, and bloom, right? <laughs> you know, Michigan's 300,000 we'll medical patients strong. So that is a, that is a, that, that's a big one. Interesting. Uh, Did you guys see their deal with high times, by the way? I know it's tangential, yes. but mm -hmm. how crazy is that? Mm -hmm. I feel like high times with their <laughs> with their reggae plus and and listen no no shade thrown here but good no, lord no 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 I'm not uh, I'm a company yes I, yes I did see it and I'm just, <laughs> I saw yep. it too <laughs> yep I mean just absolutely crazy anyway sorry to derail um, go ahead no but it's uh it's it's good we're still like I said we're still seeing um, a lot of activity and it's not I mean people out there might just think we deal with cannabis but we also have other business uh, right. business lines as well and. Uh, we're seeing it's a not lot the of cannabis securities exchange. Right? No, 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 it isn't. Uh, okay. I don't have that on my card traveling across <laughs> the border when I used to. Um, no, we're, we're, uh, we just held a massive online psilocybin, um, and investing in psychedelics conference yesterday. So, yes. uh, so yeah, we're, uh, but, and the reason I bring that up is because I believe every investor in cannabis or sorry, in psilocybin should be thanking the cannabis sector because the cannabis sector really did make it um they paved the way they made it more okay more accepting out of the out of the shadows cannabis really and psilocybin really just is okay it came out it's coming out people are okay to invest in it or to learn about it um and cannabis really took a lot of the heat off of that and i'm sure other industries that will follow so um i'm just saying thank you to the cannabis industry as a whole um, on behalf of the exchange so um uh, yeah let's see i just got off the phone i actually did a sorry a zoom call with uh the cannabis company out of europe europe is starting to uh they're starting to get their act together a little bit um watch out for spain uh, later half of 2020. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. Interesting. People don't know much about it on this side. 
but late 2020, maybe early 2021, um, there's a lot of sophisticated people that are involved in the sector. So, you know, my big thing was I actually wanted to talk when I was on the other call. Uh, I wanted to talk about Africa because I hadn't heard much anymore. Um, that that was so last year, unfortunately. I, I was going to say like late yeah. 2018, yeah, early yeah, 2019. It was like, yeah, we can grow it for, I don't know, half an half of an eighth of a penny per gram and we can just ship it all over. And um, no, I, I haven't heard much about it at all. And I thought it would have more of a play with the, um, with the vertical, you know, time zones going to Europe and, and stuff. And I, and I, when I say Africa, I keep South Africa separate because South Africa is its own thing. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's still, it's still in play, but they're, 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 they have a long ways to go. Uh, let me put it that way. So, hey, Barrington, I, I think it was about a year ago, uh, and you and Richard were telling me that uh, the CSE was going to uh, have two different levels uh, a yes. tier one that was going to be a non venture exchange. It, what happened with that? Is that still? Yep. No, we're uh, so the way that we work at the CSE, we never just do things easily and do things one at a, one at a time we are actually the Richard process of, have it, man. no no that's not that's not rc style um, so we're actually doing a uh, we put our application in to list SPACs, uh margin eligibility um a two-tier uh two-tier marketplace and i think there's a fourth one so we have four on the go we will get those answers at least half of them will be done um by the before the end of 2020 uh so we're on the right track for that but what are the things that make the tier one like what are some of the differences that would uh just increased increased disclosure um continued listing requirements um more people on the file that's from one end from the other side you get i guess more customer service if that's possible uh i will pick you up and drop you off at your office <laughs> stuff like that um <laughs> It's yeah, it's just being it's just being more more grown up and it's it's tough to be it's tough to call ourselves, you know, a, a junior stock exchange or a startup stock exchange when you have multi billion dollar companies on it. It's uh so we're we're growing up. Well can can I ask you if you were a CSE to, to be tier one company, could you be operating in the United States or will that would that be limited only to federally legal? So I No, mean, no, no limit. Just, no limit. Okay. No. Got it. Yep. Just like Master P, no limit records. Um, there's, <laughs> I had to throw that in. Uh, Thank you. No, there's uh, a lot. A lot of our uh, top um, top companies are are U.S. multi-state operators, and uh, you know we we don't discriminate. We love the U.S. and hopefully the U.S. loves us. And there's enough to go around. So um, no, the. The only the only place where we um, where it becomes an issue is for to be on our index to be in our indices because we have two the CSC composite and the CSC twenty five uh, you have to be trading in Canadian dollars ah that's that's uh, but it's not an investable index yet <laughs> I'm sure Richard has that coming down the pipe. Um, <laughs> But that's our, that's the only, the only thing when it comes to, to us, uh, is trading Canadian dollars to be on the, to be on the index. Yeah. So, 
There's only a few that trade in U.S. dollars. Uh, Acreage is one. There's like uh, Dixie. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a couple more. Just a few. Yeah. I, I think in total we have about six on our exchange. And yeah. I think there's two or three. And we, I, I <laughs> the opinions I express are not necessarily those of the exchange. Um, but um, myself and a few other people would recommend, you know, listing in Canadian dollars. Yeah. If you're on a Canadian exchange. Yeah. That's all. Makes sense. Yeah. That's all. Like, do I what you that. want. Do what you want. We want to stay out of your boardroom. Yeah. Uh, it's just our, you know. You, Wise counsel. Even with uh, a disclaimer. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> this is good. I miss talking to people. <laughs> I really do. Yeah, man. Come on. It's, uh, you know, face to face, especially good people, too. I was dropping Alan's name. It was, uh, I think it was earlier this week. I forget the context that it was in, but it's like, um, if he likes you, it's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we uh, we speak very highly of you. Thank you, Barrington. No, no problem. No problem. Um, we speak highly of you too, Barrington. Well, thank you. To thank everyone you. that we know. I, I, try, I try and do the same. Um, what do you mean you try? What is no, this? like to everybody? I just can't go, hey, my name is Barrington. Do you know the guy from, from Benzinga? You should talk to them. Like, it's exactly right. You should come be on. doing that. Come on. Come on. <laughs> oh, man. So, wait, I have one quick question for, for somebody who's watching who, um, let's say they are a private company and let's say the market's good right now, right? And let's hope it continues to be good. Why should a company come and list with you right now in this current climate? Uh, well, 99.9% of the reason that companies list is access to capital. Mm -hmm. And I hear that's it, important. It, it is. It is from time to time. Mm -hmm. um, but let me let me say this. And again, um, just a, just that general disclaimer. Uh, just because you're a private company uh, doesn't necessarily mean you should go public. In fact, I've told a True number words of, have never been said. I've told a number of companies. Um, don't don't go public. You don't need to, or figure out why you want to. Um, and if you're coming in with the, if you're coming in with the cap table, and that's your first question, that's a red flag. First and so it may have Barrington. You may have frozen there. Yeah, I thought I froze. Yeah, no, I thought I did. You never know with these Zoom things anymore. Um, well, that's a nice Alan, It is a really, it, he seems so <laughs> studious. There he's back. You, there he's me? back. You're back you now. Froze. Sorry. Uh, what was the last thing I said? No, you were <laughs> done speaking, I think, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, it was just you were talking about like the cap thing. Yeah. Uh, so I'll make sure. Oh, uh-oh. We lost him again. We lost oh, him again. Alan, finish the sentence for him. Why, yeah. why when, when a company goes public, obviously, the, you know, one of the reasons is because they want capital, right? Right. But Barrington's saying that there's a why. Figure out why you want to go public. Oh, so I, I, I mean, I don't know what Barrington was going to say, but I think the right. why is, uh, you know, it, it can help you attract business partners when you're a publicly traded company. Uh, I think it, it, it can help uh, on strategic partnerships and vendor relationships. I think it can help with your employees. Uh, you know, when you're an employee in a private talent. company, you, 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 the stock comp is kind of funky when it's a publicly traded company. But, you know, I, I agree with Barrington. Uh, 
and, and I, I said this a long time ago, a lot of these companies shouldn't be public, but mainly not because they just didn't deserve to be public. But I think Barrington's trying to make the point, even a good company shouldn't necessarily be public. And it's a pain in the butt. That When I talk to people about why they aren't going public, it, it's the pain in the ass factor uh, that I hear most. Uh, it, there's a lot, besides the money you have to spend, uh, just all the time on, on compliance and, and all yeah. that, it, it can be overwhelming. Well, that's what I've heard, especially from my friends who who are in the public space. It's it's running two businesses, right? Yeah. You're running the operations of the company or potentially not if, yeah. if you're not paying attention to it, but then also running, you know, the the pubco, right? So honestly, it's it's killed a bunch of companies that went public in our space. I mean, I've seen it happen where once they go public, they, these were like everything seemed to be going well, and then they go public, and then the next thing you know, the you know they've been too busy doing what you just said, running that other business. So, so, and I think we just got Barrington back. So, one of the things I'd love to sort of end this on, it, I don't know if 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 we should call it advice, maybe not, just words of wisdom, when it comes to, you know, those those companies who decided to go public. How how do you keep an eye on the operations? How how do you stay successful as as an operator? and run the public side of your business. I mean, again, I know you, you both are, don't want to get into the boardroom of these companies, but you know, we've seen so many people make these mistakes, right? And, and it's, it's been really tough to watch as some of them are our, our, our very close friends. So any words of wisdom there? Um, so you can hear me and see me okay, right? Yes. Awesome. A uh, few words of wisdom, and I'm just gonna ramble because I don't even know how much time we have. Um, one act and i tell again i tell private companies act like a, pro, a public company before you're a public company take the running start um audited financials um continuous disclosure most importantly communicate with your investors and shareholders not only when the times are good but when the times are not so good tell them that it's okay you'd be surprised at how forgiving your investor base and your supporters are when you're telling them what's going on, um, communication, and we're, we're an exchange based, uh, our whole basis is disclosure and transparency, not just for us and by us, but for our issuers. So that's, especially during, during COVID, um, we just, like I said, we did, uh, we did a whole month of <laughs> 520 of cannabis and, uh, you know, Alan, Alan kicked it off. And one of the things that I really loved, if you get a chance, go to www.youtube.com, CSE underscore TV. You can see all the interviews. Uh, Acreage, or sorry, not not Acreage, uh, Truly, Cresco, Cureleaf, um, Body and Mind, uh, Bang, all of the CEOs, uh, Harvest, all of the CEOs had one thing in common, and that was having a good team and communicating with the team. They're their functions were in place before COVID. And so when this, when it is a disaster happened, they were able to still maintain business and they still kept communicating with them. So that is my one, one constant. And you can see it, you can see it on YouTube, go to our channel, every single CEO and none of it was scripted. It's like, what's the, what have you learned? What's the one thing that's keeping your business going? And they're like, oh, it's our, it's our people. It's our team, it's communicating. Uh, you know, Jason Ackerman from Terrasen. Uh, a lot of people don't know about him, but once you do, you're going to go, oh, 
I get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. why that's where they're going. Yeah. Um, and again, I'm not giving investment advice or anything like that. I'm just saying uh, these are traits that is clearly obvious. Um, next is the strategies. When you talk to when you talk to the CEOs or the the COOs or whomever, they all have very specific strategies, very defined. A lot of them have money thrown at them during these times, which is rare. And some of them are saying, no, thanks. We don't need it. Just because we can get it, we're not going to take it and use it. We're going to make sure it aligns with our strategies, with our shareholders, and most importantly, with our patients um, and the people who depend on their products. So it, it was it was incredible to see. So and and to be able to talk to them and see that that uh, that trend throughout. So awesome. That's my two cents. Awesome. I love that, man. Well, Barrington Miller, we really appreciate you coming on, my friend. I know Alan and I uh, always love talking to you. So thanks for joining us, man. And we'll see you again on uh, June 30th. Yes, you will. Thank you so much. Uh, please stay safe. Um, hug the family, wash your hands, all of those things. <laughs> <laughs> take care, Barrington. All right. Take care. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Oh, wealth of knowledge, that guy. And been around for a while, huh? Yeah. So next up, um, we will keep the train moving here, is Eric Klar. Eric Klar is local to Michigan and is the CEO of Quality Roots. And I won't say too much about Eric before he joins us here. So let's go ahead and move him over. Um, But Eric's a really cool guy. He's got an interesting story. He's actually a good friend of our CEO, Jason Rasnick, and is a a player in the local Michigan market Um, and, and looking like he's poised to grow. So this is, this is cool. But while he's moving over, Alan, when it comes to a lot of what Barrington was saying, this is a, it's a crazy time. And I feel like we've been saying that for a year now, right? Uh, or at least a year. But maybe now it's, we're on the uptick, man. I mean, bull market as you, as you position it, but um, maybe well, this is an interesting time. He's saying he's having lots of conversations with private companies. Yeah. It, it'll be interesting because, uh, you know, there are, there are a handful of really good companies and I, I just, some of them I know don't want to go public. And the reality is, you know, companies want to go public near the top, not at the bottom, <laughs> typically. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, prices have rallied a lot from the bottom. But, you know, still, if you look, uh, I, I guess the way I would look at it, if I were one of these issuers, I would look at the charts of Cresco, Cureleaf, Trulieve, and GTI, and not at everybody else. If, if they're that type of company, which some of these are, uh, and I would say, oh, they're actually back above their IPO prices or you know, when their pre-public prices or near them, or they're higher than they were a year ago in some cases. So it's, it is, it's very interesting right now uh, to look at that not all cannabis companies are the same. And if you're trying to benchmark, if you're, if you're like, uh, I, I know David's, favorite company is holistic. If you're holistic mm-hmm. and you're Josh, you don't get depressed by looking at how, how poorly MedMen is doing, for example. Oh yeah. Or that I just mentioned, and, and you might feel more comfortable about the timing. I couldn't agree with you more. Couldn't agree with you more. Well, Eric, we have Eric Clark. You yeah. might want to unmute yourself, my friend, or, or have you? I'm you unmute. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Yes, we have you. Eric, how are you? Alan, how are you? Nice to meet you. Doing all right. Very good, man. Family's well? 
Family's good, man. Family's good. We took a trip down to Kentucky to see my folks. Yeah. So we're, um, hence the flowery wallpaper in the back. Thanks, yeah. Grandma. Um, but um, tell us about yourself, man. Tell the audience who you are, what you got yeah. going on. I know there's there's a couple of different things that we could talk about here. So I'll let so, you get us started. No, I really appreciate that. Um, so I'm Eric Clark. Um, I'm currently the CEO of Quality Roots, a Michigan-based operator. Um, my background is pretty unique. Um, I come from a family who has uh, always been poised in the position of regulation and compliance. Uh, my father was one of Michigan's largest independent uh, pharmacy store operators um, with plenty across the state. Um, in 2014, I learned a, a big lesson, uh, which was our exit to Walgreens. Um, just a great, great transition to grow through and something that will hopefully allow our team to capitalize on this next space and this new venture. Um, in 2011, I actually did something pretty random. Um, during times of trouble and uh, e-commerce booming, I actually opened an independent toy store in the middle of Michigan, randomly, um, and built that business to now what is uh, known as Michigan's largest toy company, Toyology Toys, which uh, has a, um, a variety of retail stores and um, a distribution business that is, we always joke, that is vertically integrated in the toy space, um, distributing products to roughly four to 5,000 stores across the country, um, everywhere from supporting mom and pop stores um, to the large guys like Target and Walmart. Um, you know, our biggest play is trend management, following consumer demand, um, and building teams to do that. So as I've uh, been, you know, looking at this, the cannabis space for almost 10 years now, for us, it was all about alignment and timing. Um, and to us, our perfect alignment is that medical to recreational shift. And, uh, and that is where Quality Roots is poised to succeed. But Why did you start to look at cannabis a decade ago? Yep. So I, I started to get involved... Um, as the, I'll call it the financial arm of, uh, of some caregiver uh, businesses here in the state of Michigan. Um, you know, I was always that intuitive friend who didn't want to be hands-on with the plant, but wanted to make sure that my friend's um, operations were successful. So you know, that, that allowed me to really um, look at the space further, digest it, you know, understand how the West Coast was making that medical to recreational transition. You know, even as early states like Oregon, uh, California, as they've made those crazy different transitions over the past you know, eight to 10 years now at this point, um, so that, that was really a, a great learning experience, being hands-on, making those investments and making sure that we were poised to succeed through all these market compressions. Very cool. And so uh, go a step further now and talk about Quality Roots. You guys yes. are in Battle Creek, Michigan, right? Yeah, yeah. So again, we're all about that medical to recreational shift and, and all about the application process uh, you know, in these cities where we call home. Um, so right now we have our operating retail store, which is medical um, and recreational here in Battle Creek. Um, you know, we've been recreational here for just about a month and, um, it's been awesome. You know, the, the feedback from the consumer, um, the way that the team has evolved and grown and started to be a family is, you know, is, is really the reason that I'm in this space. Um, so for us, it's all about building a business from a store and not building a store that turns into a business. So what we're doing out here in Battle Creek is actually basing our business here. Um, we are building all of our team angles with everybody who's actually currently in store. And the reason that we're doing that is because we believe, again, at fueling people to the potential that they deserve. And here in this space, we're not, especially in the state of Michigan, you know, we're running into a lot of scenarios where um, there's people who have been in the space and they're, they're looking for those opportunities. And then you have the people who are working in other spaces, but there's so many you know, direct comparisons like banking, you know, restaurants, and they haven't been able to really you know, get into the, into the space. So, you know, we pride, we, we really pride ourselves on 
um, being very diverse in, in how we've been bringing people in, either with cannabis knowledge or none. Um, you know, we're fueled on our, on our managerial, I say, expertise and, and family feel. You know, I mentioned my parents' pharmacies. When my dad sold his pharmacies, the average tenure employee was 19 years. Um, and, you know, and that's something that, you know, I've, I've started to do in my toy business. You know, our average manager is almost at six years now, and we've only been in business 2011. You know, and that's something that I need, you know, keyword need to carry over into this space. You know, little things like Michigan changing their profit sharing, pro, profit sharing programs recently will allow for my team to be furtherly embedded with our business. And as we go to turn on our four to five additional licenses that we already have secure, um, and then the additional ones hopefully coming through that competitive RFP process, um, we're going to be poised to operate and not start operating and then have flaws in operations. Uh, we're all about success as fast as possible. Um, and I even think that aligns to the reason that we haven't really taken a large sum of outside money yet is because, you know, myself, my family and our, you know, our quality roots family, we want to make sure that when we're bringing in, in outside money, that's, you know, substantial. I want, I, I'm the guy who does want to work off of projections and you know, hopeful philosophies. I want to work as close to a guarantee as I can. And that's important to myself. And that's, I know also going to be the fuel, which gives us the best investors who will not only be investors, but want to fuel the company for success as much as all of us do. Very yeah. cool. Uh, a lot of uh, multi-state operators have been poking around and some of them transacting in Michigan already. Have you been approached by any of these? Is that yeah, something so, that could be beneficial yeah, or no? Yeah. no that, that's a great question, Alan. Um, you know, as a one-store operator, you wouldn't think that, you know, that would come too often. Um, that's something that we've gotten almost three times since we've actually been recreational here in, uh, in Battle Creek already. Um, but for the sake of what I've promised my team and the people who have already, you know, given their all to be with us on this, on this ship as we you know, build it bigger and bigger on a daily and weekly basis, you know, I'm committed to building the program. Yeah. You know, uh, 60 to 72 months, clear strategy that I want to follow. You know, I, uh, the team has invested time and, you know, their, their past careers to now embed in this. And yeah. I want to make sure that I'm mac maximizing the opportunity for my team as much as I am for our family. I would say your only risk is if federal legalization were to happen quickly, which I don't think it would anyway. So you're, you're going to be free to build your business uh, yeah. without worrying, I think. Right. So, you know, that worry is unique. And uh, honestly, that's, that's something that excites me in a weird way. And I know you're not going to hear that from a lot of people in my position, but the reason that excite, it, it excites me is, you know, my past and, and, you know, also current career of the toy and trend business. You know, that's when, Alan, that, that's when shelf space becomes really important. Right. And, uh, you know, I've built my professional career so far on understanding shelf space mechanisms for success, you know, um, and that's something that if once this goes federally illegal and, you know, the big boys can bring it in, you know, of course, we're not a vertical operator here in Michigan, but those vertical opportunities are going to be there for the people who can position that product properly. Mm -hmm. And that is something that excites me. Um, you know, the other thing I'll say too is, you know, this is another unique part of our cannabis business is we're we're a retailer who happens to sell cannabis, right? So people are coming to our stores and, you know, I, I talked to another operator the other day, you know, our average sale ticket is around 180 to $210, which wow. is, which is pretty high in this space. Yeah. And the reason for that is because we're not only selling cannabis products, we're selling, you know, Pat, I know Patrick's aware of some of my trend items that I've put out in the past, hand manipulatives, cool speakers, office-based toys, things that go along with wellness. And, you know, we're tying a lot of that in together, you know, and that, that angle especially here in Battle Creek is, is giving people the feeling that, you know, 
like, who are these guys? You know, why are they letting me take time and, you know, scope out the floor without, you know, being on top of me? It's because, you know, again, we're retailers who happen to sell cannabis, you know, we're all about the experience, which needs to lead to education, which if you're hitting on those two E's, it's going to turn into shopping. So, you know, we just need to continue on that trajectory and make sure that everybody feels that welcome, you know, that welcome, uh, welcoming environment all the time and is leaving here with things beyond just cannabis. Very cool. So Eric, um, I, I may have missed this, but what was the date of the, the store in Battle Creek coming online? Yeah, so the original date we were supposed to open was March 12th, 2000, or 2020. Two uh, days before we closed? Yeah, you know, so we're at a restaurant. You know, I think we're you know, it's just on our phones eating sushi, me and uh, uh, my right-hand girl, Nicole. And before you know it, the NBA is canceling the season. We look at each other. We're like, we're the only two people in the sushi restaurant right now. <laughs> oh, we need to go home. Um, you know, but one thing that, you know, I, and I hope this is a, just a sign of character for myself, and I know my team feels it, you know, did we have to furlough the people who we brought in two, three weeks before this? Yeah. I mean, and, and it was tough, but did we engage with them every week, if not twice a week to make sure that they were still engaged? They were focusing on education. We were giving them whatever training was needed and being as pr proactive and reactive to the situation as possible. 100%. Um, my management team, you know, we didn't stop, right. You know, we didn't, we didn't leave each other's sides, you know, even though it wasn't person to person, right. Just like this, where, you know, we, we we keep fighting the fight. You know, as you know, every municipality is working differently through this process. Mm -hmm. You know, we got awarded uh, actually our medical and adult use permit in Adrian during all of this. You know, they set, they accept an, an application during all of this. I think it was like wow. April 9th or April 10th that we handed that in, you know? So, you know, the industry didn't stop and neither did we, you know, and even to our other ventures, which is a sign of my team's character, you know, we reacted to, to change things in a big way. You know, for our toy business, we partnered with a local company called Med Express, which guaranteed a delivery to any door in Michigan within 24 hours. This was a company who I used to work with in our pharmacy days to guarantee prescriptions to nursing homes across the country, across the state. They were still around. We approached them with this idea. Before you know it, I got slip and slides at any door within 24 hours. So, you know, and hand sanitizer. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, that's <laughs> definitely hand sanitizers. Cool mask, too, for kids. You know, whatever, whatever it took. But again, you know, the, the variable changes, right? Cannabis, toys, prescriptions. The variable changes, but the family mentality, the operational perspective, the hands-on managerial team, that's never changing. Very cool. Uh, we have a question from the chat. What do people like to buy most at your dispensary? Wow. Um, so medical, you know, and this was uh, the unique shift to, to us learning, but medical, I think uh, edibles equated for almost 62 or 63% of our sales. Smoke which started enough to get Eric Claude, this little, oh, you know, like, we got to get this processing center up and running. We got to do everything unique as possible. You know, the trend guy. Um, but then the day we win rack, that's, that went to 85% packed bud. Um, so right now we're at 85% wow. packed bud. If there's anything that's really um, exciting me about, uh, about the product offerings and what's coming to the market and like the one unique thing that's turning as fast as it's coming in, I think it's sublingo products. Um, you know, I, we always joke, convenient consumption, you know, that would probably be a brand of ours, actually convenient consumption. Um, you know, and there's just so many unique things that will allow you to conveniently consume. And I think that's where the, where the industry is headed. And Alan, to your point on that, you know, the world opening up, I think that's that first position of shelf space, mm -hmm. convenient consumption. So 7-Eleven, how you doing? Mm -hmm. There it is. Cool. Yeah, it was, well, thanks uh, for that, man. Yeah, of course.
Um, yeah, and thanks for Toyology. I like to joke with him that uh, uh, I spend a lot of money in that store. I live right behind one of them, so. And I'm looking buying you one day. That would be, uh, you know, I, I haven't lost that contact. So, Alan, I got to keep that. <laughs> there that, it is. That rolling, you know, um, you know, and like I said, right now for us, it's all about, you know, learning the cycle and betting into the industry. Um, and I, I hope everybody can hear it in my voice, the excitement and eagerness to, to win and prevail. Um, and, and that team and family identity. Like, I, I can't explain how important that is to me. You know, watching, watching and, and fueling people to hit their, you know, maximum potential and, and even places that they didn't know they were able to meet you know th that's my fuel it's it's not the dollar and i think that's something that's gonna pay off for us in the long run very cool man awesome. well thank you eric clark from quality roots we really appreciate you being on man and maybe we'll see you august 18th at our michigan focused event man it's, it's possible alan great meeting you patrick yeah you too good luck family good to Talk see to you thank you take care Wow, three very different perspectives today, man. An investor, an exchange, and an operator here in Michigan. Uh, everybody seems really operator. optimistic. You digging? This is one of the things that excites me the most about this industry. I, I know I'm very public market focused, and I know that you know most of the people that follow me, that's, that's it as well. But when you think about the industry, it's, it's people like Eric that are really going to drive big things over time. And you know, I love these stories of, you know, he, he comes just like holistic, which we were talking about earlier. They, that was a liquor business that Josh's family had. And so mm -hmm. you, you learn from these adjacent type of businesses and you build, you're not like uh Kronos group getting all this money thrown at you or canopy getting all this money thrown right. at you. You're using your expertise. And so for every person listening to this black or white male or female, everybody has unique experience, maybe not as good as, selling your family business to Walgreens, but we all have experience. And this is what makes the cannabis industry such a great opportunity. It's going to be good for investors too, but really good for people that want to get into the industry. Well, and let's take that a step further and, and just sort of prognosticate for a second. When it comes to, uh, let's say, when federal legalization happens, however many months or years from now that is, aren't we going to see an influx of maybe CPG companies jumping right. in? Maybe those companies, I think we've all kind of danced around that idea for uh, about a year and a half now, but wondering sort of who the big boys are that we're going to start to see really take a hard look at this pharma, med device, CPG, what, what that's going to look like. Yeah. You know, I think they were excited about the potential to, to do things in, uh, in Canada, but I think we've learned of those limitations actually. So for sure. It really, for this to happen really big, we need it to happen in the United States. And for that to happen, we have to have federal legalization. So we'll see it around the CBD space when we get more clarity from the FDA. I mean, here mm -hmm. it's been almost two years since hemp was legalized and we've been in this state of disarray when it comes to CBD. And so I, I just caution everybody who thinks that the federal government's gonna legalize anytime soon to just look at CBD. Hemp legalized November of 18. Here we are June of 2020 and nobody can move forward. And so uh, I, I think that what you're saying is 100% spot on for five years from now, sadly. And, you know, it's going to be- a bummer, great. isn't it? Yeah, well, I think it's really good for the, for the True Leaves and the Cure Leaves and the Crescos and the GTIs. And even people like Eric, who we just talked to, whether you're trying to build 
a state-by-state -state large operation that can quickly be flipped in five years or whenever it is, or if you're just trying to build a really good local business, like it sounds like Eric's trying to do, and same thing, they might be able to flip, in, in, but it's going to be a while. And so Eric's lucky, he can flip between now and then to an, an MSO if, if he wanted to, but mm -hmm. you know, I don't know the guy, but it doesn't sound like he wants to flip. No, no. It sounds like yeah. he wants to work and build. build something. Yeah. And that's fun. That's cool. Yeah. I love seeing that. Yeah. All right. Well, we have come to the end of our time. Mr. Alan Brockstein of New Cannabis Ventures, uh, newcannabisventures.com. People should go and check out if they're not aware. And the 420 <laughs> Investor. Check and that I, out. I need some more of these shirts. They're fun. Yes, I need a shirt. Why yeah. don't I have a shirt? Come on. I know. Well, uh, but sport, gotta, I don't have any more short shirts either. <laughs> Uh, well, listen, we'll order some, but you guys got to check that out. 420 investors are really cool product and certainly something that um, if you are at all interested, not to say that you have to be an active investor, but if you're interested in jumping in and learning more about the space, there's almost nobody better to follow than Alan. So what's this uh, almost stuff? Come on. Oh, oh, oh sorry. Sorry. <laughs> the man himself, the man himself. Cool. Um, one of a few that can do it. And, uh, and thanks to you and Benzinga for the efforts you guys are making too, Patrick. Oh, we have a good time, man. We are just watching and waiting and, and admiring all of our friends and colleagues in the space. Yeah. So uh, we'll all continue to push forward and keep building. Um, we'll be back next Thursday at 2, 2 p.m. Eastern. So make sure and tune in. Alan, thank you. And I think, uh, I think we're done. All right. Enjoy Kentucky and stay well. Will do. You too, my friend. All right. This episode is brought to you by Verizon. Get a Verizon Business Unlimited plan from the network businesses rely on. 
Hey, Monica, with 5G Ultra Wideband in many more cities, you get up to 10 times the speed at no extra cost. Hello, downloads in no time. Plus, unlimited premium data and hotspot data to keep the signal flowing and your teams going. Come in or book an appointment with a Verizon business expert to find the right plan for your team. 5G Ultra Wideband available in over 1,700 cities with business unlimited pro 2.0 smartphone plans. Speed comparison is to median Verizon 4G LTE speeds. Download speeds may vary depending upon network and coverage conditions and content optimization for 5G Ultra Wideband. Jeep Freedom Days are here, where right now, well-qualified returning FCA lessees get a low-mileage lease on the 2022 Grand Cherokee WK Laredo E4x4 for $369 a month for 36 months with $3,799 due at signing. Tax title license extra. No security deposit required. Call 1-888-925-JEEP for details. Requires dealer contribution at least through Chrysler Capital. Lessee is responsible for termination fees. Current lease must end by 7-3-23. Extra charge for miles over $30,000. Residency restrictions apply. Take delivery by 7-5-22. Jeep is a registered trademark.